0: Good morning, Grace. I was reminded this morning that we've been neglecting to tell you if you are visiting with us, if you would fill out one of these cards and take it to the worship center or the welcome center on this side, we have one of those uh, reusable bags. And that's a big deal now because it costs 10 cents or more every time you go to the store with that one, right? So we would love for you to take one of our bags and uh, spread the joy that way. And uh, just let them know you're here. Let's pray one more time. Lord Almighty, thank you for the opportunity to come before you, that you love us. And you have worked in us and in your word and through each other to bring hope and encouragement to our lives. Bless us so that we can be a blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Early in my marriage to the best woman on the planet... I learned really quickly that men and women are not the same. Oh, it wasn't that we struggled which way the toilet paper rolls. We didn't struggle who who sleeps on what side of the bed. We didn't struggle very much with the girliness of the decoration of the house. Among the things that we struggled with, probably the most difficult was we struggled with knowing how to encourage each other. I would smother her with affection. She would give me space. She would try to get me to talk, 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 talk. One day, laying in bed, I have been talking all day long. I've run out of words. It hurts to talk. Anybody know what that's like? Okay, the rest of you all haven't been married yet. The book, The Five Love Languages opened our eyes to something we both had been missing. We loved each other and we wanted to be loved by each other, but we loved and wanted to be loved differently. The Five Love Languages is a book that helps its readers to understand that we have different preferences or languages in how we express and want this love expressed to us, In fact, oftentimes, someone may be trying really hard to love us, but if it isn't in our love language, we might just flat miss it. We had a lot to learn. Still do. A friend of mine told me a story It's a good example of this. Her husband was involved in this particular ministry that every year had an annual celebration. And on this particular year, it happened to be their 20th anniversary. 20 years she knew his love language and she knew that melting down into a puddle of tears was not going to soften his heart but she explained very rationally why it was the best idea for him to come and have dinner with her and it worked as a matter of fact he understood his biblical duty was to have dinner and a glass of wine with his bride that night celebrating their 20th anniversary But we have all found that we fail to encourage each other, not simply because we speak different love languages, but because we get so wrapped up in our own lives that we fail to look beyond ourselves and see that there are Christian brothers and sisters and husbands and wives who are around us who need to be encouraged especially sometimes, those Christians you think are the strongest. This is, in fact, in part why Paul wrote this particular passage to the Colossians. The theme is going to remain the same as last week, proclaim hope. But here, the wording, the language changes just a little bit from hope to encourage. And you can see how they are similar and how when we are encouraging a brother or sister in Christ, we are in fact proclaiming hope into their soul. By the way, this is one of the geniuses of the New Testament In the Bible in general, the Spirit-inspired writers often used different words to convey different aspects of the same idea so that we would have a fuller understanding of how it is you and I are to live in light of the good news of Jesus Christ. For example, I was talking to our office manager, Stephanie, last week, and the idea that grace is a get-out-of-jail-free card came up. Now, grace is certainly an amazing gift, and grace is far more than simple forgiveness. Grace is power to accomplish kingdom purposes. Like, for example, encouraging one another, proclaiming hope to one another. Now, likewise, hope is not some wishful thinking to help pass a few bored hours. Hope is the power of soul in times of great stress and anxiety, not just to endure the evil day, but to be joyful and to fill our lives with the fruits of righteousness. So, how did Paul find hope? How did Paul encourage others to find hope? proclaim hope. Proclaim hope when you make the word of God fully known. Proclaim hope when you present everyone mature in Christ. Proclaim hope when you encourage each other. And proclaim hope when you defend yourselves from lies. Once again, let's open our passage we started last week to see that hope. To his saints, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for all us who have not seen him face to face. That our hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Now, if you remember, last week we broke down the first half of this section into two parts, and we reported the purposes Paul had in mind when he chose to suffer for the Colossians. And the first purpose was to make the Word of God fully known. He wanted to teach God's Word so the people understood it. And he wanted to present everyone mature in Christ. He wanted to enable them to be steeped in God's Word so that they would grow up and become more and more Like Jesus. Then we described how speaking the Word of God is indispensable for the Christian because we have a set of beliefs. And these beliefs are either true or they're false. And these beliefs can be communicated with human language. Now, what I just said is wildly opposed all through the culture in which we live today but it is what we believe. And that is why we must speak in this human language and we must make these declarations that are in fact true in human language so it is understood who Jesus is for everyone that Jesus puts near us. Now today, in the second half of this passage, we're going to see that this preaching and teaching of God's words needs to be made clear by actions. Specifically, here, Paul is talking about actions that are intended to enable us to be encouraged, to have hope proclaimed in our hearts, actions that are designed to encourage one another so that we together we'll believe the truth and not fall for the lies that are everywhere around us all the time. So let's get our first point, which is to encourage one another. Colossians chapter 2, 1 through 3. Paul writes, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for all those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged. Being knit together in love to reach All the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, I want us to see, first of all, that Paul is continuing this idea of suffering and struggle. As much as we see in this passage that Paul is talking about hope. He's talking about hope because we have suffering, because we have struggles. And my goodness, I need that hope. Amen? We need this hope because we are faced with all kinds of sufferings and struggles. It takes toil, as we read last week, to bring this hope that Jesus puts in you for those who Whom Jesus puts near you. But in verse 1, we see that Paul labors to help Christians in general. He lives his life to make the Word of God fully known by his constant pursuit to present everyone mature in Christ. And so, by definition, this kind of life will impact Santa Maria, it'll impact Buellton, it'll even impact those pagans down in Santa Barbara. I mean, talk about struggle. You and I need to struggle to encourage our Christian family. Because we're so easily bored. Because we're so easily distracted. Because we're so easily enticed to believe the lies that are incessant all around us. But let's put shoe leather on this. Let's talk about what this really looks like in real life. Now, every adult here knows, every single one of us, that the struggle is to communicate. How often do we flounder at home, at work? Because we fail to communicate. It may be that St. Francis said centuries ago, preach the gospel everywhere, and if necessary, use words. But if he said that, That was a message for a different time. That was a message for a different culture. Because in the world in which you live, the presupposition, the automatic belief, the cultural leaning, so to speak, is away from the gospel, is away from any truth that the Bible teaches. And so... If you are a good guy at your office, somebody who only barely knows you is going to presume you're not a Christian because that's just their natural bias. But my friends, that is all the more reason for you to live your life, to encourage your Christian family, to labor, to toil, to exert yourself so that those who are around you know that you love them and that you want them to hope in Christ. It's going to mean getting up early. It's going to mean staying up late. It's going to mean buying lunches and coffee and Jamba juices. It's going to mean being involved in people when they can be involved with. Now, my daughter loves to have every single light in the house on. It is her daily goal to make sure every light is on. And in the bathroom where she takes a the bathroom, the, the one light is too high for her. She can't get it. So the other night, I got her whole bath ready, got her in the bath, and I went into the other room to go sit down in my chair, and no sooner had I sat down, Baba, turn on the light. Oh... Fine. Now, I think Baba's grumpiness took away some of the value of actually getting out of my chair and coming over there into the other room and turning on the light. Be that as it may, it is what happened. But this, this example sheds light on the idea of what we just mentioned a few minutes ago. Grace is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Grace is far more than that. Grace is power to accomplish kingdomed purposes. Now grace means, certainly, that I am forgiven for grumpy Baba walking down the hall. But more importantly for right now, because of God's grace, I not only have the power to ask my daughter to forgive me for my grumpiness... But I also have the power not to live grumpy in the future. Wait a minute. Do you believe that? Serious. Do you believe that grace means that you can have the power not to be grumpy when someone asks you to do something that you don't want to do? It's true, you know. I have, by God's grace, the power to decide not to be grumpy in the future. And I can, because of God's grace, fulfill the kingdom purpose of loving my daughter rather than allowing my grumpiness to get in the way the next time she wants her light turned on. And when I, by God's grace, lovingly do good to my daughter and to those whom God entrusts to me, I am God's means of giving them hope so that they too will have the power of soul to be, dip, to be joyful when they're tempted to be grumpy. This is exactly what Paul means in verse 2 when he talks about knitting the family together in love. Love, you have heard me say a dozen times, is the willingness to sacrifice for the good of the beloved. And here, in this passage, while verbal communication remains important, it is important, we must speak the gospel or it will be missed. Verbal communication remains important, and here in this passage it is actions that are primary. And so get up out of the chair and turn on that light with a joyful heart. Because you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. So, a family that is knit together in love is one in which members actively pursue the good of each other. And then when we get to verses 2 and 3, we see that intentional acts of kindnesses are for those who serve you. Here we get to one step deeper. It's not just your little girl who asks you to turn on your light, it's the people who are in your church. It's the people who live in your mobile home park. Intentional acts of kindness for those who serve you, for those who love you, for those who are near you takes planning. It takes time. It takes effort. It even takes money sometimes. So invest. Be one who's investing. And if this is an investment, then what is the payoff? What is the payoff to giving money to missionaries? Who serve all around the world? What is the payoff to encouraging those who are doing God's work where you live? Those of us who love and encourage each other in practical and tangible ways. Do so, so that we, all of us, so that we will know God better. This is what Paul tells us here in verses 2 and 3. We learn that Christian knowledge is found in community. And community is something that we have lost in this iPhone age. We know all about our friends' kids. But we don't know what makes our friends' kids' hearts tick. Who is it in your life who serves the Lord, who can use encouragement... Go out of your way this week to bless her. Who do you know that bears a burden for you? Show him that you recognize this and do something for him that he doesn't expect. Now let's be honest here. As a whole, we're not very good at this. We, as a whole, therefore, don't know God as well as we otherwise could. Generosity is a gift of the Lord, not only because it makes us generous, but because it helps us to know God better. And as we know God better, we will therefore love Him and trust Him more. Now, some of you in this room are very good at encouraging, and therefore, in that way, you know God better than the rest of us. But for all of us, We need to plan to bless someone. And when you do, you will be proclaiming hope to their hearts. Then you will also, through this generosity, defend yourselves from lies. Let's see how this works out in verse 4 and 5. Paul says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Now, I get a lot of my best ideas by hanging out with you guys. Earlier this week, I was already kind of going in this direction, but I had coffee with Dan Diaz, and he put this principle perfectly. Root yourselves in the truth. Root yourselves in the truth. Now, I know a lot about roots, and I'll tell you why. We had this ugly, lousy lemon tree. I mean, it gave bad lemons. And the neighbor next door to us had this great lemon tree, and she said, anytime you want, come into my yard, pick these lemons. So I'm like, this lemon tree is out of here. So I was out there sawing all the branches off and getting those stupid prickers in me. Oh, man, it was awful. Anyways, so I got it down to now it's just the trunk of the tree. And so what do I do? I start digging and I'm on my hands and knees and I'm digging around the roots and I'm trying to cut the roots. And finally, I get to the point where I back up my little red pickup and I tie a chain around it and through it and by it. And so I take off. I got a trench 30 feet long in my backyard from the root that just went and pulled straight up out. I got this gigantic meteor crater from where that root ball was. And then I got these two holes back here from where my dodge was digging in the dirt. And then I had weeks of branches and leaves to throw away. Like that lemon tree, you need to root yourself in the truth. You want the soil of your life so penetrated by the truth, learned from Scripture, and learned from each other, encouraging each other, that it would take a truck to pull it out from you. Remember, Paul began this preaching on proclaiming hope with the life purpose, the intention to organize all his life around making the word of God fully known. This means preaching and teaching what the Bible says. And it means taking the extra steps to encourage each other. Because this is where teaching and preaching gets down to what it really means to those who are around you. Sure, you could preach a good message, but has it changed your life? Do you love the people near you differently because you have read God's word? And my friends, we are forgetful people. We are people who are easily distracted. In fact, a friend of mine told me she wants to put on her tombstone. She got distracted. And that is pretty funny, I must say. Some of you know who that is. But it is altogether too true. We need not to be distracted. When it comes to the word of God going into our hearts, and then through our hearts, into the hearts of those Jesus put near, near to us, then we are encouraging. And we are defending ourselves from lies. Now a man sat in my office this week and man, he believes a lot of lies. That is a real danger. But it's not the one that I think is most important at this moment. I have in mind the lies that church people believe. In fact, when I tell you a couple of them, you may find that you believe some of them. Lies like God helps those who help themselves. Lies like, God just wants me to be happy. Lies like, look out for number one. My friends, each of these all too common sayings are lies. And they're actually anti-gospel. They aren't just different from what the Bible teaches. They are against. They are contrary to. They are different diametrically opposed to what the bible teaches and when you believe them and you don't have a brother or sister who can come alongside of you and show you the folly of believing these worldly lies then you will fall into all kinds of problems When we are looking for ways to bless those Jesus puts near us in word or deed, we are helping to defend each other from these lies because we are living in the gospel way. We are living as Jesus would have us. And so we see the utter folly of what the world teaches. By being iron that sharpens iron, by standing close to each other, by doing the disciple making discipleship work. Work that starts with this book by NAB Press, for example, which, by the way, thank you for making us run out of them last week. We completely ran out. There's a bunch more at this Welcome Center. Go see them. But going through things like this, you will learn the promises of God for you in Christ. And because you hear them, and because they steep in you, and because they wash over you, you will become those men and women who trust them and are become immune to lies like God helps those who help themselves. Now, going through this book is not discipleship. This is just an example. It's a beginning. It's, it's an example of what discipleship looks like encouraging each other to know the promises of God and then seeing how they apply in your life. And there is one more reason that's not explicitly taught in this passage but can certainly be seen if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. Reading through our passage, Paul talks a lot about suffering. Verse 24. About service, verse 25. About toil, verse 29. About struggles, chapter 2, verse 1. But I want you to see how Paul begins and then how he ends this passage. Verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings. For your sake, verse two five. I am rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in spite of your sufferings, my friends. We have to see in this passage that this encouraging one another by putting the word of God that is fully known in action by encouraging each other in practical, tangible ways is the way that you and I can rejoice even while we're suffering, even while we are laboring to encourage one another. Paul is all about joy. Why is Paul all about joy? Because he has hope and he believes the Colossians will have that same hope. Why is Paul all about joy? Because Christ is supreme and Christ is sufficient. Why is Paul all about joy? Because Paul's intentional sufferings are accomplishing their intended purpose and that is to bring the Christians in Santa Maria, California, hope. That is something to praise Jesus about. And this can be true of you as well. You will increase your joy the more you disciple. And as you get into each other's business, as you strengthen each other with the word of God, as you strengthen each other by meeting needs in tangible ways that just speak joy and hope and love and encouragement into the soul of your brother or sister, you will be one who proclaims hope by making the word of God fully known. Proclaim hope by presenting everyone mature in Christ. Proclaim hope by encouraging each other and proclaiming hope by defending one another from lies. If you and I set out to live like Paul says he lives, you will strengthen your hope muscle. And that is one gym membership you can't afford to be without. And what do you have to lose? The trinkets. The things, the experiences that have never really brought you hope and joy in the first place. He who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose is no fool. Now Donna and I needed to learn each other's love language when we were first married. It took me longer than it took for her. But men, of course, really aren't that hard for wives to understand, though, are we? Think through what it would look like for you to meet needs One of the most encouraging men at Grace is Jerry Hines, and he started a service several years ago here at Grace that Joe Vernon has capably taken over by helping with minor upkeeps of some of our senior widows' cars, checking oil, checking out things, just looking so that they can go to professionals to get them fixed. And this blesses our ladies who might otherwise be seriously taken advantage of. Talk about a brilliant way to proclaim hope. Now, when it comes to me and it comes to cars, I am all thumbs. I need someone to help me. But maybe you have a unique ability or just an ability that you have that you can use to encourage someone. That I don't know. Or that the person sitting three pews down from you doesn't know. But you can use this ability. Ask the Lord, Lord, who needs to be encouraged? And then, Lord, how can I do it? And then do it and proclaim hope in Jesus' name.